Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast of our Wednesday services. We are currently studying through the book of Exodus. Please open your Bibles to Exodus as we dive into our study this evening. Tonight, we're back in Exodus 25, and, or, yep, Exodus 25, uh, last week in chapter 24, um, we were looking at the people who God had rescued from Egypt, who had saved from Pharaoh, um, who just wanted to kill, steal, and destroy, um, just like our enemy, Jesus had, or Moses, under God's mighty hand, led the people out um, and rescued them from, from that. And then God was providing for them as they traveled to the mountain where they received his laws and um, his directions for their lives. And the people then in, in the chapter just before this, um, they spoke that they would, they would do everything that uh, God had said. And uh, at the very end, uh, in, in, in verse 17, it says, And the eyes of the sons of Israel the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. God was amazing. He was on top of the mountain and he was appearing like fire. Tonight we're going to be reading on in chapter 25 and, and further on into the book uh, of Exodus. We'll see that God didn't just want to remain on top of the mountain. God wanted to dwell with his people. He wanted to come back down and tabernacle with them. Um, and perhaps uh, we have this view of God that God is just up on top of the mountain, um, but he's not. He, he wants to love us. He, he's rescued us. He's rescued us from, from darkness and moved us into the light. He's rescued us from someone who wants to kill and destroy and all the things of the world that would take us away from him. And he loves us and he wants us to draw close to him. He wants to be close to us. So we're not going to be talking about um, some old relics and some old artifacts here. This is uh, a picture of, of Jesus and what Jesus has established and done through the tabernacle. So as we come to the scripture, this is not an archaeology lesson or anything like that. It's not... Um, architecture, it, it's, it's, it's a picture of Jesus and what Jesus has done and has established and it's real for us uh, and it speaks of God's love to us, um, his holy perfect love. Um, so I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your words to us, Lord. Father, thank you that you want to draw us close to your heart. Um, you want to give us life to the full in Jesus and you're working to transform us uh, into the likeness of your son. So, Father, I just pray that you would move tonight uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, um, and that your word would go out and uh, draw us closer to you and closer um, to how you want us to live for you. I just pray these things in your name. Amen. Exodus 25, it starts by... In, in, in the first short, very small verse, then the Lord said to Moses, the Lord, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, <clears throat> so I think it's very important to see that these are things that God is saying um, and therefore us as well. 
he's saying them to Moses, but he's saying them to us as well. Uh, and perhaps for us in this modern place, um, this contemporary world, these things seem very distant because they're way before Jesus even died on the cross. They're far back in history. Um, and for us, hearing about <clears throat> a sacrificial system it would be very you know, it's quite strange for us um, if all of a sudden I was up on Big Mountain and decided to bring a bull down here um, and set it up here um, and do some sort of sacrifice up here. It would be very alien. The closest I get to meat is, you know, you see me in the morning whenever I'm a mudman with my thing, getting my burgers ready. That's, 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 that's you know, as close as I get to butchery. Uh, I know there's some people here who maybe are hunters or, you know, um, go out and, you know, it's Montana and maybe there is some people who um, do that. And um, I'm sure there's some of you um, and you don't spend much time going down to Coffee Trader and, and you know, talking over with your friends, um, you know, blood sacrifice or anything like that. You, you don't do those things. Um, so this might seem old, but it's not. It's, it's more than that. Um, there's real biblical significance to what we're going to be learning about. There's over 50 chapters in the Bible that describe the tabernacle and the things of the tabernacle. There's 13 in Exodus. There's 18 in Leviticus. There's 13 in Numbers. There's two in Deuteronomy. And there's four in Hebrews. Um, the tabernacle is used and described over 400 times in Scripture. Um, there's two chapters in Genesis to describe creation, um, but over half the Pentateuch describes the tabernacle. So this is an important thing that God has put in the Bible, and he's explaining these things to Moses. Um, and there might be some uh, difficulty in presenting these things, because if I was to describe all 50 chapters, I'd have to hit them one a minute if I was going to try and hit the, hit the tabernacle. But there's not just um, the, the, that difficulty. There's the historical difficulty that we have to think about these things in today's thought. Um, so we're going to be looking at this. And we know that Scripture is God-breathed. And there's something here for us. Um, and in Hebrews, it talks about these things being a shadow of Christ, a, a, a foreshadowing of the work of Christ and his death. So as long as we stand on scripture, whenever we come to the scripture and interpreting it, um, we'll be on solid ground. So the tabernacle isn't something to be discarded. It's something that Jesus has fulfilled for each of us. Um, so uh, chapter, or, uh, verse, verse 2. Then the sons of Israel to uh, tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution to me. Every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. So God's asking them to raise a contribution. Why, why is he asking this? Um, he reading on about the things that God's asking for then. This is the contribution which you are to raise from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple, scarlet material, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins, dry, dyed red, 
porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for anointing oil, and for fragrant incense, onyx stones, and sets of stones for the ephod and the breastplate. Um, keep going, keep going, keep going. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. So God's asking them for this contribution of stuff. It's all listed there in those verses from 3 to 7. There's a lot of different things being asked for there. And they're all to be used in this construction of this (coughs) sanctuary that he's asking for in verse 8. God is asking them to give from his heart this stuff for his sanctuary, for a place for him to live. Um, God doesn't just want to stay up on that mountain. He wants to tabernacle with his people. He's given his people all those things that were described. These, these guys, <clears throat> they didn't really have anything whenever they were in Egypt. But whenever they were Egypt, leaving Egypt, God provided for them a load of stuff because the Egyptians gave them a whole lot of stuff to take with them. The Egyptians gave them gold and all these things that are listed here. God had given them all the stuff that he needed for the sanctuary back in Egypt whenever they were leaving. So God had provided for them the stuff that he was asking for. It was stuff that God gave them that he was just kind of asking back again. Um, But it wasn't all their stuff. He was asking for just this stuff for the tabernacle so that he didn't have to stay up on the mountain because he wanted to live close to his people, because he loves his people and he wanted to dwell with them. He wanted to be the king in the camp. He wanted to be among his people every day as a reminder they'd be able to see this big big tent that God was there. Uh, And later on, it describes how God was present in the tabernacle. And this was to be a, a portable worship center. So wherever the people went, God was going to go with them. In the desert, wherever God was leading them, God was going to go with them. He wasn't going to be on the mountain. He was going to come down and be with his people. And that's what God wants to be in our lives. He wants to go wherever we go. He wants us to be able to worship him wherever we go. He wants to be with us and love us wherever we go. Um, and he, he's, he asks us in the same way for things that, that he's given us. He only asks us to give the love that he, we have received to other people um, in different ways. So here we see God's heart. God's heart is for the people to give from their heart to him. And it says in Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 68, Now I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
God wants these people to give these, this stuff that he's given them back to him. Uh, and he wants them to be cheerful about it. Um, we love other people because Christ has loved us. We can forgive other people because Christ has forgiven us. Uh, and that's everything that we have is God's. It's not our stuff. We live in a culture where we like to think that the stuff that we have is ours. But really, our stuff is God's stuff. All the gifts and talents that we have, they're our stuff. And he wants us to have more of him each day as he tabernacles with us, as he lives with us. Um, I'm, today's my uh, 15th year of marriage uh, with Jade. Uh, and I chose back 15 years ago to marry Jade, to have a relationship with her, to have a personal relationship with her, to love her, to live with her, to spend time with her, and to show love back and forth and to be in that relationship. And God wants for his people to have a relationship with him that's far better than that. He, he wants to have a relationship each moment of every day and love them the way he's shown his love in, in Jesus. He wants to live with us in our homes as we go, as we travel, all the time. He wants to have uh, a loving relationship with us. Um, and it's God's stuff. Um, recently, um, I just watched um, my Nana pass away. And she was ready to go. She wasn't holding on to anything here too tightly. She, she um, wanted to go to heaven. She wanted to go on. She, she wasn't well. She, her health was failing. Her eyesight was failing. She was ready to see Jesus. She was ready to go. And that's because she wasn't holding on to her stuff here. She was willing to leave everything behind here to go and be with God and the things that he had for him, her. And we need to realize that there is this reality that's far greater than the reality that is just here. Um, and if we pick up what the tabernacle is like in Hebrews, we get to see that there is a far bigger tabernacle there is a bigger picture. So <clears throat> in Hebrews 8 and 9, it talks about the tabernacle. So Hebrews 8, verse 1. Now the main point of what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the sanctuary, <coughs> and in the true tabernacle. Note that it's the true tabernacle. There is another tabernacle that's in heaven. And that at that tabernacle, that's where Jesus is. And he's sitting down because his work is finished. Because all that he did in dying on the cross and sacrificing his life and showing his love completed God's work. And that's the true true tabernacle where Jesus is. 
um, which is which the Lord pitched, not man. It's not this stuff that they're collecting. <coughs> it's something that is true and real in heaven. And Nana had a clear picture of that and clear faith in that. Uh, and she was 83, I think, and had lived a really long life. Whenever we were at her house on Sunday, my, my, my son, Joel, whenever we were leaving, he was putting on his boots and he said, he said, Daddy, I haven't cried. Do you know why I haven't cried? Because Nana is in heaven. For my four-year-old son, it's real. For my Nana, who's 83, it's real and it's true. And he, he said one other thing, and I think it's... He said, Nana has her new kid body. <laughs> and I don't know where he got that from, but we, we were talking about things, but she has her new kid body. She... Uh, maybe he's thinking about Jesus and he's saying that we have to be like children to get into heaven. But he, was, he, he knows it's true and he knows where Nana is, is with Jesus and all her illnesses, everything, she's got her new body. She's got her new kid body. Um, now if Continuing on in Hebrews, in chapter 5, or verse 5 in, in chapter 8, it says, <coughs> who, who, who's, and, and it's talking about Jesus, or, um, no, I'll start in verse 4. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve a copy, a shadow of the heavenly things. Just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle, for see, he said, that you make the things according to the pattern <coughs> that I've shown you on the mountain. These are just shadow, shadows that we're looking at, and they point to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Even back here in Exodus, whenever we talk about the tabernacle, and later on, the tabernacle that becomes the temple, we're looking at what Jesus has done and is doing. Because Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. <coughs> um, and he wants to have a special relationship with his people by setting this tent up. Um, there's three words that are used to describe this tabernacle. It's to be a sanctuary in verse 8. It's to be a tabernacle in verse 9. And in chapter 26, verse 21, it's to be a meeting place. <coughs> God wants people to meet with him. He wants to be part of their life. He wants to tabernacle with them. And we see this in Jesus. We see that Jesus didn't just stay up in heaven. God wanted to come down off the mountain and live with his people. 
Jesus didn't just want to stay in heaven. He came down to the people to show them his love. And he wanted to show them God's love, to bring them into relationship with him. And he showed them the love by wanting to spend time with them. (coughs) By touching people and reaching out to them. And he gave himself for people. He was willing to go the extra mile. He was willing to die on the cross for people to show love so that they could have relationship with him. So he wanted to spend time with people. He touched people. He served people. He gave gifts to people. And he gave words showing love to people and truth to people. But he didn't stop there. He died for people. He didn't just use five love languages. He used six. He was willing to die for people. And he wants to have a relationship with us. But God didn't stop there. He didn't stop by just dwelling with the people in the tabernacle or dwelling with people by sending Jesus. He wants to dwell in each of our hearts. And it says in Ezekiel, Moreover, I will give you a new heart, and I will put in you a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. (coughs) Christ's spirit wants to dwell with us and in us. And his love, each day we can experience that love because he's given us new hearts. Whenever we've come to Jesus and we've asked him into our heart, he doesn't go into that old heart of stone. He goes into a heart of flesh and he pours his love into that heart. And he'll keep pouring that heart, love into that heart, as long as it's soft, as long as we're willing to listen to him, as long as we're turning away from sin. He wants to dwell each day in our hearts, not just on the mountain, not just in heaven, but he wants to dwell here on earth each day with us. Because he loves us. That's why he did what he did on the cross. And he didn't stay. Because if he had stayed, he wouldn't have sent his Holy Spirit. He wanted more than that. He wanted a deeper relationship with us. So he sent his Holy Spirit. Uh, Verse 9, Exodus 25. According to all that I'm going to show you as a pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all the furniture, just so you shall construct it. (coughs) God wants them to put everything together just as he had shown them, shown Moses. He doesn't want them to go off their own plans. He wants them to go off his plans. And that's important because it's a picture (coughs) of what's in heaven. It's a picture of the true tabernacle where Jesus is. It's just a shadow of it. So whenever we look at the furniture in the tabernacle and the pattern of things as described, these are pictures of things in heaven. They're a shadow of things in heaven. It's God's good and perfect design from the beginning where Jesus is, where Jesus is the high priest, our high priest, 
offered the perfect sacrifice for us. And he's there. And he's there interceding for us. He's there to hear our prayers. We have access to heaven because Jesus is there and his spirit's in our heart and we can talk to him. So as we begin to look at um, the tabernacle and these things, that furniture will, in the rest of the chapter, there's three pieces of furniture described. There's the Ark of the Covenant. There's the table for the showbread. And there's the lampstands. So as we begin to look at them, um, I just want to look at the old priestly design as it's described in the Hebrews. Now when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing divine worship. This is in Hebrews and it's talking about the old temple or the old temple and the old tabernacle. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which was which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is signifies this that the way the holy place ha- has not yet been disclosed. While the outer tabernacle is still standing, this is a symbol for the present time. According to both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make a worshiper worshiper perfect in conscience, since they only relate to food and drink and various washings and regulations which are imposed until a time of reformation. But, but when Christ appears as the high priest of the good things to come, he enters through a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation and not through the blood of goats or calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. This is the picture of the real tabernacle. This is the picture in heaven of Jesus, who once and for all has provided access, provided forgiveness for sins, who we have access to heaven. God has given us freely everything that we have in Jesus. Everything that we have is freely given. God gave to us first. And we have an opportunity each day to give back to him. And here he's asking them for stuff. He's not just asking for stuff. He's asking for us to give him our hearts each day. That we give our love to him and we do that by loving other people because we have a special relationship with Jesus we can love other people and if we claim that we have love and we don't love other people 
then we don't know Jesus. We need to be able to rest in the love that he's given us. We need to believe that it's true, that it's real, and that he is in heaven. And his blood has obtained that for us. There's a perfect tabernacle where he is, a true tabernacle where he is. So we're going to look at the furniture. Um, They shall construct an ark out of acacia wood and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide and one and a half cubits high. You shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out. You shall have gold mouldings around it. You shall cast four gold rings and fasten them on the four feet. And the two rings shall be on one side of it, and two rings shall be on the other side of it. You shall make the poles out of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark with them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be removed. Here's a picture of this ark, this box. Um, And it's got rings on the side and it's got poles on it. It's to be carried by these poles. (coughs) It's to be carried carefully. Whenever um, it's to be moved, it's to be lifted, it's not just to be manhandled, it's not just to be touched. Uh, And that's because God's holy and he's not just to be taken for granted. He's not just another piece of luggage to be shipped about with us. He's a holy God and he's to be carried um, with these poles. In 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 10, um, it tells of God's anger whenever he's not treated as holy. Um, Yusa reaches out his hand whenever King David is trying to bring the ark back to Jerusalem or back to where David was taking it and touches the ark. And it says in that verse, the anger of the Lord burns against Yusa and struck him down because he put out his hand to the ark and he died there before God. God is a holy God and we can't come to him lightly. We have to come to him carefully, respectfully. He's he's a perfect God, but he's made a perfect way for us to approach him in Jesus. We can't approach him in our own strength, in our own holiness, in our own righteousness. We can only come to him in Jesus. And Jesus knows what each of us are like. And whenever he was teaching his disciples to pray, he asked them, part of the Lord's prayer for his disciples that he wanted was for them to ask for forgiveness. And God freely gives forgiveness for for sins. And he freely forgives us whenever we need to renew our relationship with him. Whenever we've done something wrong, we can come to him and ask for forgiveness. 
And then he gives us that forgiveness freely. He gives us that love freely. He always loves us and always will forgive us. We just need to reach out to him and ask him. And he wants us to walk in that holiness. The next part of the ark that's described um, says, I shall put into the ark the testimony which I shall give you. The Ten Commandments went into the ark. Um, this, this testimony, and that show talks of God's character, God's holy, perfect character, was put, described in the ark. But God also ooh, put something over the law. He put over the law a mercy seat. In verse 17 it says, You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long, and one and a half cubits wide. You shall make two cherubim of gold, hammer them out at the end of the mercy seat. <coughs> make one cubit at one end, or one cherubim at one end, and one cherubim at the other end, you shall make the cherubim of one piece with the mercy seat at two end, at the two ends of the mercy seat. The cherubim shall have their wings spread outward, covering the mercy seat with their wings and facing one another. The faces of the cherubim are to be turned towards the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and the ark you sh shall put the te you shall put the testimony which I give you. This mercy seat covers God's demands. Jesus's sacrifice. And Jesus' love that he showed on the cross covers over the demands of the law. Jesus covered those because he was perfect. He perfectly lived a life of love. He perfectly met all the demands of the law and chose the total character that the Ten Commandments uh, show us what God is like. It shows us that Jesus perfectly loved God and perfectly loved others. And his perfect sacrifice, his perfect life, covers over the demands of the law. And that means that we can approach God. It means that we can come to him because of what Jesus has done. And we can approach God and have a relationship with him. He wants to have that personal relationship with us. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says, Now even the first covenant, the regulations of divine worship, and their earthly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle prepared, the outer one, in which there were a lampstand and a table 
and sacred bread. This is called the holy place. Behind the second veil, a tabernacle which was made called the Holy of Holies, having a golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which there was a jar, a golden jar, holding the manna and Aaron's rod, which budded, and the tables of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. But of these things I cannot speak in detail. Here in Hebrews, um, the author of Hebrews is describing the things that are in the, the Ark of the Covenant. He's talking about manna, and he's talking about God's provision uh, for the people, reminding the people of how God provided for them, and how, how it's really a picture of Jesus, because Jesus is the bread of life. Uh, whenever the Pharisees came to Jesus, whenever he fed the multitude and they were asking him, he said, it wasn't Moses who gave the bread, but it was my father. Jesus was the bread of life. It talks about Jesus' provision for them. And Aaron's rod that budded is a picture of new life new life coming from something that was dead, that had nothing. And that speaks of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus is risen from the dead and has given us new life. New life so that we can have a relationship with him, a holy God, a holy loving God. And there's the tablets that speak of God's holiness. The table of the showbread also talk about Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. We can have fellowship with him because he's given us life and he wants us to have fellowship with him. And the lampstands, the lampstands are a picture of Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the bread of life. So as we read these descriptions, that seem strange. These are pictures of Jesus and things of, that Jesus has done for us and is for us. So as I read these, uh, the, the description of the table of showbread, think about Jesus and think about how we have fellowship with him. You shall make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long and one cubit wide, and one and a half cubits high. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a gold border around it. You shall make for it a rim, a handbreadth around it, and you shall make a gold border for the rim around it. You shall make four golden rings for it and put rings on the four corners which are on the four feet. The rings shall be close to the rim as a holder for the poles to carry the table. You shall 
Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, so that with them the table may be carried. You shall make it dishes and pans and jars and bowls with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold. You shall set bread of the presence on the table before me at all times. Here's a picture of a table. And it's a picture of fellowship. David was able to go in and eat this bread um, and have what he needed. We're able to go to God and have what we need from Jesus. Um, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. This is a picture of what's in heaven waiting in store of us. Fellowship with Jesus, where we'll never be hungry and we'll never be thirsty again, where we will be totally fulfilled. Jesus has fulfilled what this description is and is in heaven. Okay, the description of the lampstand. Then you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. A lampstand, and its base and its shaft <coughs> are to be made of hammered work. Its cups and its bulbs and its flowers shall be of one piece. With it, six branches shall go out from its side, three branches of the lampstand from its one side and three branches of the lampstand on the other side. Three cups shall be shaped like almond blossoms in the one branch and a bulb and a flower and three cups shaped like almond blossoms in the other branch. A bulb and a flower and six branches going out from the lampstand and in the lampstand four cups shaped like almond blossoms, its bulbs and its flowers. A bulb shall be under the first pair of branches coming out of it and the bulb under the second pair of branches coming out of it and the bulb under the third branch coming out of it. For the six branches coming out of the lampstand, their bulbs and their branches shall be one piece with it. All of it shall be one piece of hammered work of pure gold. Then you shall make the lamps seven in number, and they shall be mount its lamps so that as it shed the light on the space in front of it, its snuffers and its tray shall be of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold and all its utensils. See that you make them after the pattern for them which I've shown you on the mountain. This very ornate golden lamp with three branches on one side and one 
branch in the middle and three on the other, seven lights in all, shedding light in the sanctuary, shedding light, showing people, showing the priests, giving light to the priests as they worship and serve in the tabernacle. And Jesus is the light of our light, or of our life. And in John 8, verse 12, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is our light. He's our bread. He's the person who we can have fellowship with. He doesn't want to just stay up on a mountain. He wants to have relationship with us. He wants to tabernacle with us each day. He wants us to have a personal relationship with him, that, we're rem- that we walk with him in his light and that we have his bread, his provision, and everything that he's given to us. So as we continue to look at the tabernacle and these elements that do seem, you know, I don't see any lampstands sitting about here or any tables that are that ornate or an ark or a box with angels over it. Um, it's a picture of Jesus. The ark is Jesus. He's in heaven and the angels are worshipping him uh, and he's there and his mercy is there for us. His holiness is there and he's waiting for us and he wants us to have relationship with him. He's approachable and he loves us. And like God in this story, wanting to come down off the mountain and be with his people, he wants, wants the same with us each day. Thank you for joining us for this study through the book of Exodus this evening. If you would like more information about Sela Fellowship, please visit us on the web at selahfellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.